So I want to start with the weather this January has actually been surprisingly nice. Didn't wear a coat today. But we all remember back in December when we went out in the morning, frosted off the car, and it was negative three degrees. I remember being back on parking team last year now, sitting out there and where it's freezing, for some reason I'm having to smile, my lips are frozen, and wave to keep warm. And I remember wanting nothing more than coming inside, warming up, and getting a hot drink. Hot chocolate, coffee, I would take anything. On the other end of the spectrum, I also remember being in Arizona hiking in the middle of July, just sweating, I didn't even know I could sweat that much, and thinking about a cold ice glass of water. But we never want something in between. If we come in in the middle of winter and we're freezing, we don't look at the hot cocoa that's been on the counter for a week, stagnating, and go, oh, that's what I want, right? We'd drink that, we'd, we'd spout it. It's not good. It's been stagnating. It's nasty. Um, also, we come in in the middle of the summer. We're sweating. We don't want a glass of water that's been sitting there for a week either. No. You want a nice American glass full of ice, 90% ice, 10% water. That's the recipe. So uh, the Bible actually talks about this, that we don't want to be lukewarm as Christians. Hot when we are cold and cold when we are hot. See, the idea of hot and cold is applied in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. So tonight, we're going to talk about lukewarm Christianity. We're going to start with how to not be lukewarm. In our relationship with Christ, through Christ-centered Bible study and prayer, move on to being doers of the word, and finally, reflecting the light. So if you would please turn with me to book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 14. Give you a second to get there. All right. So the heading says, A message to Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Actually, you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I self to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him. And he with me, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this passage can be pretty confusing, just reading it. What's Jesus talking about, Lord, or buying gold refined by fire? But you see, it makes a little more sense if we go to the historical context. You see, Laodicea was a city that is now in modern-day Turkey. They were known for their wealth. 
In fact, they were so wealthy that an earthquake in AD 60 leveled the entire city. Rome, in turn, offered to send their city a very large sum of money to help rebuild. Laodicea was so caught up in their riches that they declined. Now, for those of you who know how government works, no one declines money. You see, their riches are to in verse 17 where it says, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. They thought that they were wealthy and did not need Jesus. But Jesus says that they are poor, naked, wretched, miserable, and blind. These aren't words we describe a wealthy person with. They have money to buy themselves clothes. They're not blind. They can have glasses or LASIK. Jesus points out that the Laodiceans lack these things spiritually. They're spiritually blind, spiritually bankrupt, miserable, and blind in their sin. Verse 19 says, Those I love, I prove and discipline. Be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and has opened the door, I will come to him and eat with him. And he with me. See, when Jesus this, he's indicating a close relationship. So let's talk about levels of friendship. You have those you are closest to over here. We'll call them your besties. You talk to them every single day, and you can't get enough of them. You have people you call your close friends. You talk to them a couple times a week, maybe. And then we have your friends, people you talk to on occasion and hang out with. And way over here, we have your Facebook friends, people you hardly know. So what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about a relationship, not over here on Facebook, but a relationship over here, something closer than your best friends. So you're, it says that he'll come in and sit with you. He's at the door knocking. Even your best friends do not come over to your home and spend time with you every single day. To the people closest to you, you do not make excuses when they want to spend time with you. They don't say, oh, I'm sorry, I, uh, I got Twitter to check. Sorry about that. Oh, you know, I would spend time with you, but... I've been doing homework for like 30 minutes and that maxed out, so I'm going to go do something else now. You don't make these excuses to the people closest to you. This is at the door telling us that he wants to come in and spend time with us. He wants to become closer with us. Let's think about this for a minute. He's wanting a closer relationship, but who is he talking to you? He's talking to the church. He's telling the church let me in. He's not addressing the lost. He's addressing the Christians. Those who are supposed to know him best. And he's asking to come in. The question tonight is, are you opening the door? Do you hear his voice? Jesus wants to be close with us. He's already standing at the door knocking. But do we let him in? So how do I hear his voice? How do I let him in the door? Start with Bible reading. See, as high as we read the Bible, we tend to have a couple different approaches to it. Approach one is we open it up randomly, find a verse for the day, and say, uh, Song of Solomon 5.3, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? Oh, 
just wants me to become a nudist. <laughs> Maybe not quite that far, but obviously this approach doesn't work. Approach number two is maybe we have a Bible reading plan, and we open it up, and we start the virtual stopwatch, and we sit here and we race, we race, we race like it's a punishment to read the Bible. And we say, oh, got through my chapter. Check that one off the list for the day. I'm a good Christian because I read it. Now, most of us can't get through a chapter in 30 seconds, but we do. See, the Bible is meant to examine us as Christians. When we read it, we should be able to see that we're spiritually blind, bankrupt, and miserable. But we don't have to stay this way. You see, everyone starts out this way. We're born sinners. We have victory through the cross. Jesus Christ bought us with his own blood. As we draw near to him, he corrects us. He clothes us in his righteousness, something that can't be bought with money. He gives us his eyes to see, the purpose to live. The Bible is how we get to know God. See, when we read it, we can't focus on ourselves, but instead, we need to focus on Christ. Focus on Christ because he is the one who gives us eyes to see and clothes us in his righteousness. See, reading the Bible, when we come to know God, we can see his promises, that he makes good with them. We can see how God acts. We can see the principles of God. One way to do this is to not race through the Bible, but you take your time with it. Set aside a time. Even have a piece of notebook paper there and a pen. And as you read, say, what can I, what can I see about God in this passage? What can I learn about what he has to say? You can find characteristics of him and write them down. So that in Bible reading, we're not racing through it, but we're drawing nearer to Christ. The second is in our prayer life. You see, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 to pray without ceasing. Now, this isn't an excuse not to go to school because you need to be on your knees at home all day. But instead, this is like answering the door and inviting Jesus to stay all day. Jesus is knocking. We have to let him in. Time for story time with Adam. Now one time, I went to an event, and I sat down at a table. There's another person there. It lasted for about an hour, and this person talked the entire time. When we left, they knew my name, and that was about it. But I knew everything about more than I ever wanted to learn in just one hour. They talked and talked and talked and sit there. But sometimes we're like this in our prayer life. We say, all right, God, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to spend time with you, and I'm going to pray. And we say, God, give me this, give me this. I need this, and amen. And then we go, spiritual checklist, Bible reading. That one's already done. Prayer. Got that one done too. But like me sitting down at the table and that person only knowing my name because they only talked, we need to give God a chance to speak too. See, prayer in our spiritual life, it's not supposed to be just about us. Brad talked earlier about the, the ACTS prayer method. 
uh, that you go through, and the first thing you do is acknowledge God. When we do this, we're sitting down and we're having a conversation with God. We're not giving him the spiritual stopwatch and saying, all right, God, if you want to tell me something, do it right now. All right, I'm done. I can't stay here any longer. Prayer is when we come to know God through listening to him. Not giving him 30 seconds to say everything. A little example of this from my own life is about six months ago now, I had shoulder surgery. I'd thrown a baseball a few too many times and had the cartilage in there. They had to open me up and stitch it back together. Nasty surgery. That's the end of that. But I had to sit in a chair for about a week moving. It's the nature of your shoulder, every time you move, it was shooting pain. And I remember my, my prayers were me sitting there in tons of pain saying, God, why? Take this away from me. And my prayers were about me. I'm missing the real picture here of the fact that God has blessed me with medical care to get that surgery done, people to take care of me. When we come to prayer, it's not supposed to be about us. We need to focus on Christ. Next, we need to be doers of the word. See, going back to Revelation, it says in verse 15, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. So there are these things, but they're insufficient. Our deeds to be, are to be done in his strength for him. See, James chapter 1, verse 22. It says that we're to be doers of the word. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. Doers of the word means obeying God. Being doers doesn't mean just giving money to charity. I'm not trying to go against that. I mean, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. We need to help those people. But... Being doers means submitting to God. It means obedience. When we seek God, we seek his will above our own. We seek to have obedience to him. When we do these things, we're drawing closer to God. We're not lukewarm anymore. We're not staying in the middle. We're not just checking off our spiritual checklist because we have to. It's because we have a desire to, a desire to know God and acting on it. Now, time to take a virtual trip back to the third grade, sitting there in science class. Do you remember sitting there in the moon works? I think it's about third grade science. You see, the moon does not shine on its own. The moon reflects the light of the sun. The sun is the light, it shines and reflects off the moon, and the moon reflects that light into the darkness. I believe as Christians, this is how we are supposed to be. Jesus is the light, but he reflects that light off of us so that we can be a light reflecting his light to the darkness. The Bible talks about this quite literally in the book of Exodus. It talks about Moses Spending time with God, and when he came away, his face was glowing. So much to the fact that the people around him asked him to put a veil over his face. Because when he was spending time with Christ, when he was growing in a relationship with him, and letting God speak, he was reflecting the light. John 1.4 talks about Jesus, and he says, 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The thing about the moon is it doesn't have its own light. It doesn't have that possibility. The moon can be full and bright, reflecting lots of light into the darkness, or it can be just a sliver, barely visible in the sky. So we need to ask ourselves tonight, am I a full moon, or am I just a sliver? Because in our Christianity, we can grow nearer to Christ and have that light grow. But if we're drawn away from, if we aren't growing in our relationship and we're staying, staying stagnant, then we're just a sliver. We're not reflecting the full capacity into the darkness. The darkness is coming the moon. And the thing about light is that it always produces heat. When you see a light bulb that's been on for a while and you ever touch it, you burn your finger. When fire, you don't put your hand on it because it's hot. When we're growing nearer to Christ, when we're reflecting his light like the full moon, we can be on fire for Christ. We don't have to be lukewarm. It's cold as not knowing Christ, but lukewarm is knowing and not acting on it. We can be hot for Jesus. We can be reflecting that light. So, tonight I again ask, how much light are you reflecting? We can keep from being lukewarm by spending time with God, quality time in the Bible, and in prayer. Not making it about our, but making it about Christ. We need to be doers of the word and not just hearers. We don't need to just read the Bible. We need to act on it. Let Jesus purify our lives. We need to reflect the light.